Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals, one of the most watched and listened to podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery. And we were just talking about analytics before we started recording this. And we can reach upwards of tens of thousands of people or just a few hundred who listen or watch the whole podcast. So it's sort of interesting to see those analytics. Uh, yeah. And kind of wild how many it reaches. I know. Uh, and, and all over the world, too. The funny thing, uh, I mean, we can... A couple of times we've gotten through where all we're watched or listened to, and, and we're as far away as, like, uh, some. we have one or two people in Russia, a couple people in Ukraine, uh, and all the European countries. Uh, it's it's really we always made this offer that if if the guy in Russia who listens to us uh, wants to come here and visit, we'll buy him some good vodka <laughs> as opposed to that cheap stuff he's drinking in Russia. Yeah. So, but he's never taken us up on that. So, I'm Randall Carlisle. My co-host Nicole Slack. Our guest today is Skyler. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Happy and, to be here. Yeah. And, and Skyler, uh, and, and again, this is not a, even though it's called Odyssey House Journals, which I guess sort of promotes Odyssey House, but uh, it's, it's not designed to promote Odyssey House, but Skyler is, is uh, a resident of Odyssey House, and I got a note from, uh, who, who did I get a note from? An email saying you wanted to do this for, yeah. your, for your labor of love. So maybe we should describe what a labor of love is. So a labor of love is, is when you get to the level navigator is where you're just basically giving back to the community, basically just kind of giving back as a servant leader. So you want to give back to the community Correct. through this podcast. Uh, and and I, I guess without us, or Nicole or me asking questions, what do you want to, how do you, what do you want people to take away from hearing your story? I just feel like I got a positive message about just my recovery, just about uh, other people being able to do it themselves. I mean, I went I went through it, so I could see what, like, why other people wouldn't be able to find it inspiring and do it themselves. We, we hope to provide hope. We're all in, Nicole's in recovery, I'm in recovery, you're obviously in recovery, and there is always hope. I mean, you know. Yeah, it just comes at like different times when it hits. And I think it's so good to share your story because someone, someone can relate and people probably, there's people that can't relate to me that will relate to you. So I love that you're sharing. So, Thank so you. how did your uh, issues with addictions begin? And um, how long did they last and what were they? So I was using for probably a total, I made it, I made it a lifestyle for like seven years. Um, it all kind of started when I got uh, so fixated into this toxic relationship because I was just kind of having these codependency issues with this with this lady. And uh, I was using methamphetamines at the time. How I started using methamphetamines was because I was just traveling around homeless. Uh, family was trying to, for me, my family was wondering when I was going to try to get it together, was kind of had it with my, had it with me at the moment. So they were kind of, let me out of the house. 
Um, Did they force you out of the house? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Led you out of the house is an interesting term. Uh, so they, they basically booted you yeah. for, for your drug use or your behavior? Just both. They didn't know about, well, I thought they didn't know about the drug use, but, you know, I mean, clearly through my behavior, you could tell that I was on drugs, you know what I mean? So that's what led to them just kind of kicking me to the streets. So I went to go travel in uh, Midvale. And if people know what Midvale was all about back in 2015, 16, it was just pretty much just about hotel hopping. And that's where I met this girl at a Taco Bell parking lot. <laughs> How romantic. Yeah, we no kidding. Taco Bell parking lot. And uh, I had this addiction to meth. She had this addiction to heroin. And we basically kind of got together and kind of swapped addictions. That's a beautiful meat cue. Yeah. Taco Bell and addictions. Yeah, Taco Bell <laughs> parking lot, heroin, meth. That is, is a movie script, right? Right. Now, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> a romantic comedy. <laughs> so that didn't work out? No, obviously not. But I, after uh, pretty much just going in and out of jail, I was just trying to figure out how I was, how I was going to do it, how I was going to stay on top. And basically my game plan wasn't really working out because basically when I would go to jail, I would sit there and try to link up with these people that were in there so how I could get the best prices and stuff. And next thing you know, when I get released, it's just down to the same cycle all over again. And it's uh, pretty much it. Like So when you were in jail, yeah. you were looking for prices for when you got out of jail? Correct. So you're a planner. Yeah. A like business it. plan yeah. in, in jail. <laughs> Yeah, and it didn't work well. No, not at all. How how did all this end and bring you into a treatment program? Uh, well, so I ended up getting extradited out because I caught charges out, and uh, so I was in another relationship where we ended up going to Elko, Nevada, and I ended up getting arrested out there for the um, retail theft and. I ended up getting stuck in the in the system out there to where I got out wasn't I got out wasn't able to um comply with probation and stuff because I was because I was on dual probation at the time with Elko and APMP with Elko APMP and then Utah APMP but it was just it just made it like a little bit more difficult to where this seems like the easier option was just like to run because that's what I was just used to doing every time. And um, when I just realized that family got in touch with me and re I realized that uh, it was time to kind of clean it up. I mean, every time I talked to my dad, he let me know, like, hey, look, you're 30 years old. When are you going to get this together? And I was getting tired of living the same lifestyle for seven years and so I had this like soul searching moment in Salt Lake County Jail to where I was gonna just kind of clean it up I was put on drug court got to in this ASAM score where I was supposed to do a, a first step but I heard that if you do Odyssey House if you go about Odyssey House a certain route then you'd be able to work for him and that sound, seemed like an idea 
that I liked, and so that's kind of the approach that I've kind of been doing. So that's what you want to do? Yeah, that's correct. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people, and, and you and I have talked about this in past uh, podcasts, is a lot of people on the outside don't understand the concept of, of peer support and a therapeutic community and will say stuff like, uh, well, you got a bunch of drug addicts uh, working there. How can that be helpful to, to my loved one when they're hanging around a bunch of drug addicts? Explain that. I think that a lot of people think that it could be toxic to have people who are drug addicts working in the field, but I think we have a lot to offer an insight. I mean, your insight may be for future clients. And I think that um, I, I saw all of staff the same, whether it was they were addicts or not. I don't, I don't know. I, I, well, I think, it, I, I think it's important. I've heard a lot of people say that they can spot. I mean, in other words, if I'm a, a, a case manager or a peer support specialist or something, and I'm working with you and you hand me a line of crap, Okay, I can spot that because I've been there and I did the same line of crap, right? And so it, it and it works, it does. you know, as opposed to somebody who uh, hadn't been there and maybe has a lot of book learning but not real life learning. They're not going to spot you being pseudo sincere, saying you know whatever. Uh, it's just it it just seems to work better, and it's worked. For, for decades now in, in, in recovery, pro, in treatment programs, is to have people working alongside. Why, why would you want to work in a place like Odyssey House? Because it can be frustrating, you know, and it can be, it can be sad. I've been sad, and even though I don't work directly with clients, I'll get to know some clients, and then I'll hear that they passed away from an overdose or that they... And I'll, I'll think this person was going to really succeed, and I'll hear they went locker and never hear from them again. So why would you want to work under knowing that these things happen? Well, there's good things and there's bad things to anything in life, sure. and I think that's just with this type of field, especially with what I've seen just being in residential alone, that that's just what you got to deal with being in that field. Do you find those frustrations sometimes? You get close to some of the clients. Yeah, but I also think from being a client, I just know that you help who you can because if they want the help, they're going to take it, and some people don't want it or don't need it. But also, I had clients in the house that changed my life, and some of them went back to using, and some of them I never saw again, but they changed my life in that moment. And so I can just hope to do that for someone else. You brought up a point. I, I facilitate a family support group every Tuesday night, and these are uh, primarily parents of adult kids uh, who are dealing with dealing with addiction issues. And and it can range anything from from their from their kid being out on the street, being homeless, being in jail, being in a treatment program, and we talk about things like setting boundaries and enabling. And your parents, you said, booted you out of the house. Yeah. Was that good or bad? I think it was a good, because it let me know, to me it let me know that my family wasn't willing to take no shit over my addiction. They weren't gonna be, uh, so I always kept them at a distance. Um, I didn't, 
I wasn't trying to steal from them. They knew they knew better not to. I think it was just them kind of just holding their boundary. And you think that's a good thing? Yeah. Because a lot of the parents that I deal with will <laughs> say stuff like, oh, my kid called me and he needs money for food, <laughs> supposedly. Yeah. Uh, or, or he lives at home, but he treats us terribly. Or he, ste- or he or she, I shouldn't just, it's not just guys. Uh, or he or she steals from us. Uh, and, and but but I feel bad, like in in the dead of winter, booting them out of the house. Any thoughts on that? I just know I've been there. <laughs> and, and and the thing I always say, because I, I and and I know this is true, yeah, is that you find a way to survive on the street. That's right. right. How, and and say. Uh, at the time we're recording this, temperatures are really cold outside. Yeah. How do you survive in weather, in, in frigid weather? Uh, that's just, for me, that's when I would just, uh, I would just, so there's a term called boost. Have you ever heard of that? Boosting shopping from stores or whatever. And I just would do what I could do to just make money to live in hotels. But that, it's not going to last long, you know what I mean? Because things just like, things happen where you end up like losing the deposit and it's just, things just end up happening when you're on drugs trying to live in that hotel life. How long were you homeless? Seven years. Well, I was, I would say, I know that I was using for seven years, so it all started when I was in 2015 is when it all when I started um, being homeless, and then till till now, this time I got residential, yeah. And but I would try to. I would on um, back then, like right now, I tell you, yeah, I was homeless. But while I was at there in the middle of my addiction, I'd say I, I would try to put on this facade like I was above that because I was staying in hotels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not technically homeless. Yeah. Right? I'm not lying out on the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah. Huh. You want to provide hope for... How long have you been in Odyssey's program? Been here for a year. A year? That's right. Wow. So you've had some ups and downs through the program. Well, I just... Yeah. I've had a, I've had a few borders, but other than that, I think it's just more of a... I've invested the time that I've had in residentials because so, I'm I'm trying to do this for real, not just because not just trying to please a court. I'm just I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I'm really trying to make the, I'm trying to go about Odyssey in a way to where like I'm that I'm just trying to get the most that I can out of it. Is this your first time in treatment? No, it's my second one. First time I got kicked out for using. And that was the worst relapse that I'd ever had in my whole entire life. There's nothing more worse than re- re- having a relapse when you got a head full of treatment. Wow. S- same program or a different no, program? No, it was the Haven. Okay. And that's a, a smaller program yeah. than Odyssey House. And, and back then, I don't know how the rules are now, but back then, uh, when I was familiar with it, uh, you had to be voted in by the other residents there and can be voted out. Is oh, at the Haven? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't. That's all new to me. Oh, okay. 
That's an interesting concept. Yeah. Like the admission process, you have to have a meeting, and this was years ago, but you have to have a meeting uh, with all the residents, and they get to question the prospective client, and they can say no, and they have control. I could see benefits, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think of all the different personalities in every different Odyssey house, sure. and if we voted, <laughs> right? Yeah, we wouldn't have clients. Contest. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be the one who could BS the best. Oh yeah, get in. Yeah, that's a weird concept. I don't know if they had ultimate authority, but I know that they had those meetings and took votes. So hmm. anyway, one of my ex girlfriend's daughters was in it. That's how I. That's how I know. And I was married, and you see, you initially, you probably were blaming your messed up love life as That's a right. reason to use, right? Well, yeah, so I was so fixated on these, on these, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. I, well, I've been, through, <laughs> I've been through four divorces, and, and, and I blamed every one of them for the divorce uh, and for my drinking and 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 they were not responsible i was right but it took me years in recovery to admit that you know and that's hard to admit that i i screwed up four marriages but it's in the past so yeah and even though i've been clean for 11 years i'm never getting married again so that way i can't screw it up is is that a is that a negative way of looking at life? I think that's a thinking error. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Well, it's 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 working so 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 far. What what message of hope would you like? And it, it, there's all kinds of people watching or listening. To yes. This. I doubt if there's very many people in active addiction who are listening to a 30 minute podcast or watching it. But there's a lot of loved ones of people who know people in addiction. Uh, who are who who watch or listen to these podcasts because they're looking for help, and so what what kind of words of hope can you give about recovery being possible? You just got to stick it out. That's that's what I would tell you. If we're, if we're in the same drug court, you just got to stick it out. Uh, I would just say, I don't know. Like I'm, Vivitrol has helped me out a lot. I'm not. It's just, uh, I don't know, I really didn't really have time to think about this. <laughs> well, and, and we should mention, if, if you've never heard of it, Vivitrol is a non-opioid treatment option for people in our program, uh, and it works especially well with alcohol and opioid addiction uh, in terms of blunting, I'm... I'm not sure how it works. The receptors in your brain just just don't receive the euphoric feeling that they used to. Yeah. Is, is that a fair description? Yeah, that's right. And it's a 28-day, a one-month shot, so you don't have to worry about taking a pill every day. Uh, and it worked for you. I, I used it, too. When really? I, when I try to get sober. Yeah. Uh, and it worked. Uh, I heard the worst part of it is that uh, the point of injection is very sore sometimes. Yeah, it can be. But that's true of a lot of shots, right? 
And, and how long have you been on Vivitrol? Since uh, I've been on it for almost a year. Okay. Are you going to keep doing it? Yeah. Good. Good. And, and how are you going to prevent... At some point, you're getting out of Odyssey, and maybe you come back to work at Odyssey, but uh, how are you going to prevent a relapse? And, and relapse prevention is one thing that's dealt with in, in, our res in, in all of our programs. How are you going to... What's your relapse prevention plan? Just kind of lean on my support. And also, so one thing that I've definitely learned here um, at Lighthouse is uh, just kind of like having love for myself and just kind of what I like to do is uh, positive self-talk. That's my biggest reframe, I feel like, is just kind of not being realistic and being uh, just, that's just what I've always called it positive self-talk are you going to be doing um iop or gop iop yeah awesome and revoyaging out oh. that's cool so same that, that that usually helps you know staying connected yeah so so you could you could be in this program how long before you graduate from if you're taking the iop route like two years year and a half he's doing a Voyagers is GOP, um, so you will be doing a minimum of three months. Are you planning on, like, do you want a fast graduation, or do you just want to write it out? I'm just trying to, just however long it takes. I'm not really in a rush. Anytime I'm in a hurry, it's where I, it leads for me to get high. At least you know that, yeah. and you're aware and acting on it. I love that. Isn't that a great attitude, saying, as long as it takes... Mm -hmm. for it to work. That's a wonderful attitude. And that's, that's not what you see in a lot of residents. It's like, when can I, how soon can I get out? As soon as I hit disco, I'm gone. Yeah, I've heard how that How many a times lot. do you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> and when they say disco, it's, one of the, it's discovery. It's one of the levels in our program. So yeah. uh, that's interesting. Um, what, have you had to deal with a negative, if, 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 at the time, you blamed it on bad relationships with a woman, okay? Have you had to deal with a negative relationship since you've been in recovery? I presume you haven't. No, I haven't. Well, that, that's sort of a leading question because we're not supposed to have relationships yeah. while, we're in, while we're in recovery. In, in the future, uh, are you going to date somebody who's uh, an, in active addiction? Oh, I could not do that. Uh, so I've always had this thought to where I feel like that that's all I would really, I don't know if like this is me like selling myself short or something, but like, I feel like that's all I could ever attract is that I'm going to be able to attract as someone that's in recovery because they'd be able to understand what goes on. You know what I mean? Right. So, but that's just, I don't know if that's just a thinking error within itself or, but I don't know. We all have a lot of thinking errors. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll never get married again, okay, and I'll, uh, I'll never date, or I can only date people who are in recovery. Yeah. You know, uh, and that is one of the, and what, have you thought about that? You're divorced, right? Yeah. If, uh, like, would you date, would, would you go out with a recovering alcoholic since you were addicted to alcohol? Uh, I guess I never put any limitations on it. I figure okay. I'm just going to be 100% honest 
with my past yeah. and hope they do the same. So addict or not, this is who I am. This is where I failed. And we'll just see where it goes. I have said in the past, I'll never get married again. Um, <laughs> so oh, well, even when I'm club. teasing you about it, I'm like, I totally said that. <laughs> um, I, But I sit still like I'm just open to things. I just want to be very honest going forward because being not honest didn't get me anywhere. So right. I think I'm just open. And one thing you said that you basically were implying is that you've learned to love yourself. That's right. Right? And I think that's so critical in terms of anyone's recovery. I mean, did you love yourself when you were in active addiction? No. I was actually really ashamed when I started using, because um, I was working a job, had my own apartment, and that was just uh, that was just the shame in the back of my mind every time when I'd go to work or if I was high out of my gore, but it was I was maintaining that graveyard shift or whatever, but I still knew in the back of my mind that what I was doing was, it wasn't f- fulfilling for me at all. It was really conflicting with what I was doing, and I knew that. I think shame, I, 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 I think if you ask anybody in, in our treatment program, if you feel shame over what you did, they'd all say yes, don't you? Yeah, and I think the therapist's, the number one thing they do is work on shame. Like with yeah. me anyway, like I took it, you even said something else, which was having so much treatment in your head when during your relapse, yeah. that's shame. So have you learned to work through that? Yeah. I think so. Do you so, have a plan for a relapse? No, but I'll have one here sh- shortly. Because <laughs> you'll I, have to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you look in the mirror, what do you think about yourself now? I'm not saying, I'm pretty, oh, I'm a handsome star yeah, who well, everybody wants, but, <laughs> but I, do, you, do you like yourself? Yeah. Do you love yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm very aware of what I'm capable of, and I just, uh, I think that me being at Odyssey House has kind of helped me open my eyes, helped open my eyes as to what I see in the mirror every day versus what I used to be, um, wasn't trying to word, use the word shamed, ashamed of, but um, but back when I was getting high, just kind of being sucked up and unhealthy, I noticed every time I'd get arrested in jail, and it'd be that first look in the mirror after you get arrested, and you're like, damn, it's a good thing they got me when they did because I look horrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mug shots are not the most attractive shots in the world. So I got to tell you something. This last time I was in jail... You can purchase your mug shots, right? And I thought it would be funny for me to purchase all these mug shots myself that I've had at, at, at Salt Lake. And I thought it would be like a funny story or something to kind of laugh about when I would get them. But it did the complete opposite. When I saw them, I was just more like, holy shit, which is more of a reason why I wanted to change things. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of people do their then and now shots and, and there is such a change in the way people look because people look so troubled. And it's just, I mean, and really uneasy and not happy. And, and then you look calm and collected and cool and happy. You know, yeah. I didn't is, know you could purchase your mug shots. Yeah. 
Hell, we used to get, when I worked in television news, we just had to make a phone call and they'd send them to us electronically. So anytime anybody got arrested, we could put them on the air. They have now since passed new rules that they don't do that because it's just being arrested does not mean you're convicted. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty unfair to take your picture and say you were busted last night because yeah. you haven't even been to court. But it was fun for the TV station to get these pictures. Of, <laughs> so thank you for joining us and passing along your message of hope. It was good seeing you for your labor of love. Yeah, thank you. And good to see you again, Nicole. You too. And thank you for listening or watching to another edition of Odyssey House Journals.